This is the BBC. This podcast is supported by advertising outside the UK. BBC Sounds. Music, radio, podcasts. You're listening to the TMS Podcast from BBC Radio 5 Live. I'm Henry Moran and welcome to this bonus Test Match special podcast. On the Men's Ashes Tour, we've been privileged to enjoy the company of Stephen Finn and Glenn McGrath. And we've discovered that for Finn, he's been broadcasting alongside his hero. When Finney came out here, one of the things he said was, I can't believe I'm working with Glenn. This is unbelievable. <laughs> I didn't call him Glenn. I called him Glenn McGrath. Like, I'm not, I never believed that I was on first name terms with Glenn McGrath. It was um, yeah, mildly baffling to me as the, the spotty teenager that grew up watching him bowl um, and idolising him and trying to emulate him. And, and then now I get to sit next to him and have chats with him about bowling like we did earlier. So, so why? But why? Oh, well, I hope it hasn't been too disappointing. It's no, absolutely <laughs> not. I, I behaved like a shy schoolboy. The first few days, I was like creeping around the back of the box, being like, "Can I speak to him?" I don't know. I, is it is it okay? Um, yeah, it's a, a slightly weird scenario. Um, I sort of spoke about the first time that I watched Glenn bowl live um, at Southgate in 2004 when he played for Middlesex against Yorkshire, but it's like vivid memories, and it's crazy, like. I don't want to make them feel uncomfortable sat next to him talking about him like this, but like watching him bowl, having watched him on the TV and like seeing how amazing he is and like, lo- like just love watching him every spell. Like you'd go to the TV and just watch it and then to, yeah, to watch him live and be too shy to go to the dressing room afterwards and ask for his autograph. My mum had to ask the bowling coach to ask him to get his <laughs> autograph. And, um, and when... Uh, and that evening when we got home, um, I gave it to my parents. And then that evening that we were speaking about it on air during the second test match, I think it was at Adelaide, my parents sent me a picture of the ticket they still got at home yeah. of Middlesex <laughs> versus Yorkshire 2004 signed by Glenn McGraw in a dodgy pen as well. Had to go over it a couple of times just to make sure it was legible. <laughs> what, what was it about Glenn's bowling? Well, I, I like being tall myself. I was tall as a kid and, and I loved the concept of getting close to the stumps which like when I was younger I didn't really until I started playing cricket professionally I didn't realise the benefits of getting close to the stumps I just knew that Glenn McGraw got close to the stumps so it was probably a good thing (laughs) so like everything from the technical element of it like every time there was an Ashes series he'd say yeah it's definitely going to be 5-0 I'd be like I'd like to play in a team that wins the Ashes (laughs) 5-0 yeah yeah, just everything about the bowling personality yeah everything um, and loved it and still like shy and, and timid and turn into a school as you do when you meet your yeah. heroes you do I think everyone would be the same I mean be, who was your hero Claire? yeah my my hero was Dennis Lilly and uh, I didn't have any coaching when I was younger and the first time I really had any coaching I went to the cricket academy down in Adelaide and Rod Marsh was head coach and he got in uh, guys like Ian Greg Chappell came in to give advice and he also got Dennis to come in and so I got to work alongside Dennis and I now work in India at the MRF Pace Foundation which Dennis Lilly set up and then he asked me to take over from him so yeah it was yeah to me he's still the ultimate you know he's still the we call him the great man that we sort of form the fast bowling cartel and there's when we meet each other we do the sort of finger across the brow and <laughs> flick the sweat like um you know like Dennis did um, so, but it's uh, yeah, he was my hero. So to to hear people, you know, hear Finney talk about how he looked up to me is is yeah, it's 
interesting feeling because mm. I, I never looked at myself as anything special. And you know, so. But, but you, did you not think when all those records were falling, those series you were winning, that there would be people around the world that were thinking, "Wow, mm. I wish I wish I could do one percent of what that guy can do." Oh, I don't know. I think it was a pretty awesome team that we that I got to play in. You know, you look at the other the other guys in the team. It, it filled you with a lot of confidence, and yeah, to to win a series five nil, it was never came as a shock because I thought that's how it should be. <laughs> so whether that, uh, I don't want to be come across as arrogant or cocky, but I just that's the way I thought. With the team we had, if we play as well as we can, then no one's going to get close to us. So, and then to hear you know guys like Finney come out and say they looked up to me and they tried to, they wanted to. Yeah, the fact that he was too scared to come up to me when he was a young fellow, I quite, I, I think it's quite funny, mm. um, because you know at the end of the day we're just we're the same. We we enjoy bowling, sort of had sort of similar techniques, tall, hit the deck, bowl good areas. So, yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's it's nice. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's a weird feeling, like even I mean the, the odd person they must be partially sighted or, or something to come and tell me that I like they looked up to me when when I was playing for England it's a it's a funny feeling and and you know I'm a very small fish in a big pond but it's like it's weird when someone says that to you but you when you're playing I think and I'm sure Glenn found it the same or even more so as well like you're so concentrated on the, just being out there in the middle that you're just doing you get in this zone where the crowd doesn't matter everything doesn't matter and you're sort of at one with just what's going on in the mm. game and nothing else crosses your mind I suppose it's only when you stop and you sit back and you reflect and you take stock about what you achieved 563 mm. test wickets right yeah, yeah very good. We go. very I good. knew that. With that interbound <laughs> decision, Glenn, it should have been, a, it should have been at least one more. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's only when you sit back and look at what you achieved in your career that I suppose you really fully take stock yeah. and appreciate it. And the teams that you've played in, like, I took for granted the team that I played in, and uh, not took for granted, but you're just there doing it. So between 2010 and 2013, that small period where we were quite dominant when we played as, a, as an England team I look back on that team now and think what that is the best cricket team that I've ever played in and probably ever will play in but it's only now that I look back and reflect on it that way because you're always looking for the next big thing the next thing that you can achieve and no doubt that Australia team would have been the same but just managed to keep on doing it whereas we sort of exploded after three years what, what, what would 14 year old Stephen Finn have asked Ben McGrath if he had the confidence well I suppose the like the interest in like just little things like how you hold the ball what you look at when you bowl they're the things, they're the things that fascinate you as a youngster and everyone has different um, different things so some bowlers will look at the pitch some bowlers will look at the stump I think I, I mean I read I read this I didn't obviously I didn't ask you but your mantra was that you decide the line that you want to bowl and you feel the length I mm. think you read I read that somewhere that you yeah. said that so when I've played since I was a youngster that's what I tried to do I tried to decide the line that I wanted to bowl and focus on that and then feel the length out of your fingertips it's like this feeling when you're bowling is you, you sort of you just feel like you know the length you could bowl with your eyes shut and tell someone what length it was that had come out of your hands by the feeling on your fingertips so it's sort of being in tune with those two things so I that was the thing that I'd have loved to ask when I was younger was how do you find that state of mind or the balance at the crease to be able to do that because that like I, I wasn't consistent enough in my career that's why I played 
36 test matches and not more. I, I wish that I would have been able to master that, but that's what your great strength was, being able to bowl forth stump and feel the length and play with the length. And that's what I loved watching. And that's what I wanted to emulate when I was bowling, was tight to the stumps, bowl forth stump. Like the ball that Glenn bowled to Vaughan at Lords, where like, Vaughan's like completely dumbfounded that he's been done by the length and almost played up as if it had kept low, but he just misread the length because it had nipped back down the slope and beat him on the inside edge. Uh, and it's like visions like that of bowling at the pavilion end at Lords, like I did, which I know Glenn liked to as well. Um, things like that that I like inherently sort of ingrained in your memory when you're thinking about how you want to bowl at a particular place or venue. You, you look at guys that you idolise at those places. And like whenever I bowled someone down the slope, at Lords through the gate, you'd be like, "That's a McGrath delivery." I'm happy with that one. <laughs> <laughs> so every every time there was something, there'd be elements of every delivery that you bowled that would have a slight genus in what Glenn had done, and little snippets you'd heard and seen. Well, I suppose yeah, you you just try. I think as a as a youngster as well, and there'll be guys now trying to emulate Mark Wood with the way I know it's not gone his way today, but the way that he's bowled in this series, there'll be guys that want to bowl with that sweeping run up and, and flow through the crease and explosion at the crease that he has. I went to the park in Sydney um, in between these test matches to have a bowl because I'm trying to remain relatively fit whilst I've been out here. Not quite succeeded, um, <laughs> but trying to remain relatively fit and, and keep your rhythm ticking over and stuff. And and I was in these nets and there were three nets in Snake Park in um, in Sydney and I used one of them and there were two lots of kids like just having a muck around like where I would try and pretend to be Glenn McGrath and there's kids batting like Steve Smith and Marnus Labuschagne extravagant leaves like dipping at the knees with their feet close together as the bowlers running in like and saying no run things like that so you you inherently just pick up these things when you're young that um, that that do eke into your game as you go through your professional career I mean yeah the, the, the slight jump in and angle into the stumps that Glenn had I loved I also got too close to the stumps and started kneeing them at one stage so <laughs> thanks Glenn <laughs> I, uh, sometimes when I was uh, getting tired I'd go back and look at where my spikes where my front foot landed and it's you can see where they've marked centre and my spikes are actually on centre <laughs> which is probably not ideal when you try, you know, try to bowl down there but you, I guess then you are bowling stump to stump but yeah, like Finney said, you know, when you're out there, you're playing, you're focusing 100% on the... You don't think of the impact it has on other other sort of youngsters coming through. They think they they love cricket, they want to get out there and play, they start emulating you know, their favourite bowler, whether it's a fastball or a spinner or a batsman or, or what have you. Those little you know, idiosyncrasies that you have, you said about Marnus and, and Steve Smith, the kids are starting to do that. You see... You know, the first shot they want to learn is the reverse sweep. There's no forward defence anymore, is there? So you don't think about that. And, you know, sometimes, you know, I got in a little bit of trouble with the match referee. That you don't think. Emotions come out and then you see the footage and you go, oh, I wish I hadn't done that or carried on like a bit of a pork chop. And <laughs> you don't think of those things because you're focusing 100% on what you're trying to achieve out there. So... Yeah, it's it, it's nice to hear those stories that you have a positive impact on on people who love the game and sort of come up through the game itself, and to see, you know, you know, Finney what he's achieved. You know, Stuart Broad has sort of said that he, he liked the way I bowl as well, and to think Broadie's sort of got me well and truly covered. Played over 150 tests. You know, there's you know, there's quite significant things there, and it's uh, nice to have a positive impact on on other people. Does it surprise you when you hear England players and England supporters? 
yeah, they're talking about you in those. Well, the question I want to ask, Finney, is so if, if you like the way I bowl, when Australia played England, who are you actually supporting? I wanted England to win, but I wanted you to knock everyone over. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've got a really, really bad admission to make that I shouldn't really make on British <laughs> national radio, but the 1999 World Cup, when when I had the chance to like watch it first, so I'd have been 10 years old in 1999, so sort of just getting into tune with cricket and and like and like beyond just messing around in the garden and stuff and i'm gonna say it's very quietly but i had an australian shirt with the with the green stripes running up it i i had one that i wore to the local cricket club um langley <laughs> cricket club and, and yeah people weren't happy with me wearing it then but um uh, andy zoltzman is shaking his finger at me i know i've really disappointed a lot of people there but also good to say you haven't disappointed me I'm, I'm <laughs> blame glenn mcgrath i say blame glenn mcgrath no. people Finney, that, that there are going to be people across the nation. Do you know what? I don't care. I don't care. I'm sat next to Glenn McGrath. I couldn't care less. But, but does that surprise you when you hear, you know, people that uh, England supporters, and, they, and that Ashes rivalry is, yeah. is something else. Because, it, you know, we, we always talk about, you know, the, look at those Australian players and think, oh, they're trying to knock, knock England batters' heads off. They're trying to smash us all over the place, those horrible Australians. But, it, it went, you know, that actually the, the reaction isn't really like that necessarily. And, and mm. there, is, there is a sort of sense of, you know, of respect and real admiration, I should just say. Covers are starting to come off here. Yeah, so fingers crossed it uh, keeps going. But, yeah, it, that rivalry goes back so, so long. And I guess the Australian way was a little bit... Uh, we'd like to have a bit of chat out in the middle as well. And... I'm not sure how well that went down with uh, a lot of English <laughs> fans as well, and uh, but yeah, you know, just you're out there just giving everything, and the Ashes to me was still the ultimate, and to go over and, and especially to play at Lords, to me is one of the most special places in the world to play, and you know the the fact that I've played quite a few games here, I've played three Test matches, I've played that month at Middlesex, um, yeah, there's a lot of special memories there, and the thing I find now, which maybe was a little bit disappointing back when I played, was I only had a couple of seasons of the IPL mm. and I got to play alongside guys I'd only played against. And the one thing you realise very quickly is we're all very similar, very similar attitude. We have a love for the game of cricket and you know, blokes you played against, you thought, oh, yeah, I'm not sure what they're like. All of a sudden they're good blokes. And you know, I played a full season for Worcester, which I absolutely loved. The month at Middlesex, I really enjoyed. And to get to know guys you only played against... I think that's what's special these days. Whether it just takes that, you know, that killer bit out of it where you can't, you know, because you know everyone and you think they're actually good blokes. And, I, you know, a lot of people don't want to believe that I was a sort of half-decent person. They want to... Oh, Let's no, not it, get carried away. No, Come no. On. no. <laughs> it, was, it was a massive disappointment to me. After yeah. all that trauma you caused for all those things. <laughs> it's funny. Oh, no, I still have people come up to me in England go, you know, I used to hate <laughs> you with a passion when you played. And I say, I should take that as a compliment. Thank I mean, you very much. Can only be a good thing. Do you think the Australia team would have lost their aura, though? So say the IPL had have started 15 years before... The, the intimidating nature, because I, I don't know, and I was only mm. a young kid, but I saw England playing against Australia, and I think that's part of the reason why I liked Australia as a team. I mean, I was a glory hunter of a kid. I was a shocker. I loved Man United through the 90s when they won everything. Liked Australia's attitude towards cricket, but I don't know. I, I liked the hard nature with which Australia played, which obviously England didn't. So, I, and I don't know, like this has been dubbed the friendly ashes, hasn't it? And you see people like this morning knuckle bumping Sam Billings from the Australia team about making his debut and things like that. That that almost certainly yeah. wouldn't have happened 
20 years ago like would, yeah. would the team have lost their aura I suppose is my question I think it still would have had that aura because what you saw at the middle the confidence and the way the Australian team played they were like that as well and they when they went and played county cricket I think they showed that they were you know they had that they were just normal blokes like anyone else but they had that self strong self-belief in themselves and in the team and so I think they would have seen that aura that you see but it's actually real uh, and then when you come up against it, you know, I think the Australian way is, you know, we play hard against, but you see a group of mates playing, you come up against, it's even harder. Mm. It's tougher. Some of those Sheffield Shield matches are some of the toughest I've ever played in. And there was plenty of chat out there as well. So I think uh, to a degree, in some sense, yes, others probably, they see that it's actually real. This These guys, this is the way they play. And the, the first time I really noticed it was we played South Africa in Adelaide and we had the Adelaide Test match dinner the night before. And I remember I, I slipped out to go to the bathroom. I came back and I saw the two st- tables of the Australians there. There was, they were talking, chatting all amongst themselves and having a bit of fun. And then I looked over at two South African tables and they were watching everything the Australians were doing. And I thought that was the first time it hit me that, you know, that a certain aura that was around the Australian team and sort of how people viewed them. And, and sometimes we probably had teams beaten before we walked on the field because of that. And, you know, maybe the IPL has softened that a little bit and now with the way people come out and, yeah, they know each other so well. Like, you know, Sam, I, I think I like Sam Billings and I think he's, his attitude and everything, he plays for the Sydney Thunder. And so he, he knows all the Aussies and they know him and they get on so well. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it, it is different now. Because mm. it's also funny in that scenario, I think when I've, I've only done a few franchise tournaments, but people are vulnerable the same within dressing room, whether you're Australian, English. If you're together playing for a team, it actually doesn't really matter what team it is. You still share your vulnerabilities mm. with people, which then is, a, is probably a disadvantage to playing franchise cricket because you spend six weeks or two months with someone and you're saying, oh, Steve, can you help me out? It's a Steve Smith. Josh Butler might ask Steve Smith at the Rajasthan Royals. Like, I'm really struggling with a cover drive. So now next Ashley series they play, they know Josh Butler's not comfortable playing a cover drive. And I've just picked that out of thin air. That's not an actual example. But you have those conversations because you're trying to learn, but then you release your vulnerabilities to your opposition that then they can take advantage of when you probably had to do the working out of that yourself 20 years ago without having the conversation. So there are definitely negative and positive things to it but it's fascinating just you know how different like I loved watching that Australian team play because they were so tough they got their backs against the wall and they fought their way out of it and that that sort of stuff was were the things that you loved watching as a cricket fan um, and yeah and then 2005 when I was 16 was sort of when it all blew up and I, and I really really fell in love with it all I think Ali joins the conversation uh, at BBC TMS on Twitter saying, lucky enough to watch Glenn McGrath play live a lot during the 90s and 2000s. He had the aura of a cartoon villain. Then, <laughs> then I had a chat with him once in a pub in Auckland after a match, and that view was completely shattered. <laughs> Lovely, personable fella that took the time to chat. And uh, I think you're know, absolutely right for you, that Australian team. And that's part of what made 2005 so special, is, is it felt like two real heavyweight mm. tussles between sides. That, and I, maybe from the outside, the, the sense that the teams didn't like each other was, was stronger than, than it perhaps was on the inside. But there was that real feeling watching on, as we were, what, 
teenagers. Yeah, yeah. 16, that, I'd have been 15 or yeah, 16. And... Make, me, make me feel very old. Sorry, but, uh, <laughs> sorry Glenn. But sorry. yeah, no, it was, a, it was an amazing series. And it was probably the first time we came up against a, an England team that were confident. They were playing well. They believed in themselves. They'd been playing some good cricket for the 18 months leading into it. You know, Michael Vaughan uh, was the captain. And, and the team was was similar. So they had the same team. They believed in themselves. And that first day at Lords, they came pretty hard at us. The way Harmy bowled to Ricky Ponting, bounced him, sort of hit him and cut him. Um, and and they knocked us over for, hundred I think, about 180. And then the way we sort of came back and, you know, I was lucky enough to pick up my, my 500th wicket there and got a couple just to come down the down the slope at Lords there. And, uh, yeah, it was... It was an incredible comp- Yeah, it was a good battle, and it was the first time I think I'd seen some of our batsmen really challenged. Uh, and yeah, the way England played that series was was incredible. And but the impact it had on the English public and the crowds that were coming along. You know, the stadiums only held so many people, and you know they were turned away. But I was passing people in the street coming up saying, yeah. I don't really like Test cricket that much, but I cannot miss a ball of it. And just the positive impact it had on cricket was incredible. And it was just a shame that after that series, 06-07, England came to Australia and uh, yeah, it was from the first ball, that series was gone. Yeah, we could have done without you predicting 5 nil every time. <laughs> okay. Well, I, I couldn't bring... You know, I made a rod from my own back, so I've got to predict... Five nil, three nil, four nil every time now, don't I? So, but I'm, I'm, I feel quite comfortable doing it. The, the thing that I'm fascinated by as well, especially looking at 2005. So, like since I've played international cricket, and some of my favourite memories have been having a drink or socialising with the opposition team after the fifth Test match and the conversations that you have in the dressing room after that fifth Test match, where you've sort of been going hammer and tong for six, seven weeks in a five-match series. And then all of a sudden, everyone just relaxes and you have some fascinating mm. conversations. Like, I'd imagine that dressing room at the end of the 2005 series. Like, was there any socialising mid-series or was it just after the last test that you guys would have had a drink together? Yeah, I think most test matches, we try to sort of have a drink together. And I remember talking to guys like Rod Marsh and that they used to come in at the end of every single day's play. So whoever was bowling the batting team would go into their room every day and you'd have a chat and, you know, stories about, you know, chatting with Jeffrey Boycott. You know, if you couldn't get a certain batsman out, you have a chat with Boycott and he'd tell you how to, how to do it. But that's, that's where you learn a lot about the game of cricket is, and that's, if there's anything I miss from, from cricket is that time in the change rooms with your own teammates, with the opposition team coming in. And, you know, sometimes it's, Occasionally they get away from it where they don't do it, and it's. I think that's a, a big loss, and especially if you're playing a team that's regarded as one of the best in the world, and you know the, the other team look up and admire place. That's the best place to learn to come in and get to know how they go about it, and, and realise, hang on a minute, they're just people like like you and I and everyone else, and yeah, that's that's where you learn a lot about the game, and if anything, that's what I miss from from the game of cricket. We look back at. 2005, that, that image of Freddie Flintoff consoling Brett Lee at Edgbaston. I now look at that in quite a different light because that actually feels like it was just a, a vision on the field of a lot of the relationships that were happening off the field in terms of that respect and that collegiate nature between the two sides. In terms of, you know, mm. there was complete respect and, and that moment was actually just a reflection of, of 
exactly how the two teams were yeah. were seeing each other. Uh, especially when uh, Ricky got run out at Trembridge, there was that <laughs> sort of that love between the two teams. You yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I, Gary Pratt, where is he? Yeah. Wheel him out for I, this. So Gary gets wheeled out about once, three or four years. <laughs> what, what England could do with Gary Pratt's accuracy uh, these days? Absolutely. I'm going to embarrass Finney now because he sent on our on our group, WhatsApp group oh, at the no. start of the tour. <laughs> he sent a video of him at the Under-19... Was it the Under-19 World Cup? Oh, no, this is dreadful. Yes, yes. Yeah, <laughs> Under-19 World Cup. I was 17 or 18 years old, yeah. And, and what, talk us through that, because I think he says, my name's Steve Finn, fast bowler, and... Yeah, I, I, I mean, my vocabulary has increased <laughs> uh, significantly since that moment in my life. I wasn't a man of many words, not that comfortable in front of a camera. Um, I still aren't that comfortable in front of a camera, but um, you were asked as part of the, the video content capture bit who you're, where you were, who, where you were from, sorry, who you are, where you're from, and who your idol was. And, and some people would elaborate on it, but I just went for the, the succinct and to the point answer. Which was <laughs> going to play it then for a second. I don't have it. No, oh, I, fine. Okay. You know, I did. I thought if, whether I could get that audio to our studio, but I don't think I can. We'll see if we can dig it out. But it is. It is quite straightforward. Yeah, it I'd, is. I'd had a dodgy, um, dodgy haircut as well the, a few days before, where I, I, I looked, yeah, not very well. Um, <laughs> a, a complete shaved head um, because I tried to put some red tips in the back of my head, like Jimmy Anderson, another one of my idols, and. Um, and yeah, it didn't quite go to plan. And the team manager said, you're going to have to shave your head before we go to the World Cup and you have your photos taken because <laughs> that is terrible. But as part of the interview, and I had a slight mild fake Cockney twang and, and I said, I'm Stephen Finn from England, my favourite cricketer, Glenn McGraw. <laughs> it literally sounded like that. And when I heard it back, I was, I was like, oh, no. But I'm going to have to send that on because someone's going to find it in amongst these conversations. So I might as well get it out there early. That's very sensible. <laughs> and we've all enjoyed it enormously during this trip. But, but that just tells us a little bit, doesn't it? It's, you know, it's, a, mm. it's a, an admiration that has lasted a long time, Finney. And, it certainly know. has, yeah. And now... Yeah, I'm on first name terms with Glenn McGuire. Yeah, now we're mates. Yeah, exactly, so, yeah. And he's called me Finney. It's like blowing my mind, honestly. It really is blowing my mind. <laughs> well, it's lovely and it's so much fun chatting to you two about, uh, about you know, the, the years gone by and, and looking up to, to players. I, I find the, the relationship between England and Australia and how mm. you can idolise an Australian cricketer as an England supporter to the extent you'll buy an Australian shirt I mean that is the greatest revelation it yeah. was well luckily I, my pocket money didn't quite cover it so I think my parents treated me so um, right so they're, <laughs> they're, they're, there's a burden of responsibility there as well yeah Terry okay. and Diana Finn blame them <laughs> send them the hate mail don't send me it yeah it wasn't my fault I was merely a uh, child do you look at cricket and can you look at cricket and, and recognise things of you in modern players and, and say, do you know what, I kind of see that was kind of what I did. Yeah, I wouldn't, no, I'm, I'd never say that. But you you, know, To me, that's a little bit too arrogant and a little bit self-obsessed. But, but, or, but, but in I, the, I guess in the same way that Tillich Dilshan will look at the scoop and think, okay, that is, I can see how I did that and yeah. certain elements of, of what the game's done. Personally, probably no, but when you see a bowler come in and sort of bowl good areas, they're tall, good, hit good areas, bounce a bit of sand, they go, oh, they, oh here's a yeah, just like Clem McGrath or sort of another clone or, or what have you. And you think, well, it's probably a little bit more than that. You know, they're still their own player, um, their own person. But, yeah, it's, I guess it's a nice sign of respect when you're c compared to modern-day modern players that are doing well. Yeah, it's I mean, it's just fascinating. Yeah, Glenn's incredibly modest. But I think it's the thing 
for me as someone who who looked up to players Glenn obviously like my biggest one but there are other players that you look up to as well and you try and like the beauty about learning the game is you like try and cherry pick the best bits of of everyone and like and try and make your own style I suppose so um, yeah I find it fascinating to talk to young players and I think one of the best ways that you can learn as a cricketer is just watch and observe and try and pick up little tips or things that you can listen to or and that's why like the the openness of the players to the media now I think is fantastic because the people know or understand what what players are trying to do and it's so readily accessible that um yeah you'll have an element of trying to get close to the stumps like Glenn McGrath but you'd also love to swing the ball like Jimmy Anderson or bowl round the wicket with a wobble seam like Stuart Broad and if you can take those little components of different bowlers and put them together that makes you you but you'll always have that one driving force that's like your inspiration I suppose and yeah. and yeah without making you feel uncomfortable for me that was you yeah and there's yeah you're always learning as well and uh you know if you hear someone say something go and give it a try I remember talking to to Polly to Sean Pollock and he was talking about holding the ball sort of quarter seam you know the seam going across and just bowling into the pitch and sort of getting good seed movement but predominantly away from a left-hander so I went and tried that I heard someone else talk about how they bowled a slower ball, so I added that slower ball to Marmory as well. So, yeah, you'd, and I've learned so much from fast about the technical side of fast bowling since I retired. I wish I knew when I was playing, I could have sort of fixed up certain things which I felt, you know, could have I could have improved on. So you're always learning, and yeah, the only advice I'd say is g- give it a go, and if it works for you, great. If it doesn't, okay, move on. Fascinating. It's mm. <laughs> fascinating. Honestly, yeah. you've been listening at home. There is but, every every piece of information. Yeah, but even at thirty two, like you, you have conversations like this, and it and it's inspiring for like at thirty two years old. I'm like excited to go and practice. You're excited to try things. I think the moment that you finish having that is probably the time to pack it up and and stop and start to move upstairs into the commentary box where it becomes far easier but yeah whilst you still have that drive and yeah. and determination to get better i like it, it's really exciting yeah rob joins us on twitter and says i spent part of my wedding day with glenn mcgrath in barbados 1999 staying at the same hotel as all have said before a true gent and a wonderful cricketer i know it's disappointing <laughs> isn't it i have a lot of people i'm sure they're disappointed when they come up and i'm sort of <laughs> half not I remember going to India in early stages and people would come up to me and they'd be really timid and as if I'm just going to attack them because they thought <laughs> I was so aggressive and then they can't believe it. So, yeah, there's a certain persona you have out in the field. And, you know, I remember I had an ex-girlfriend that um, I, I met, I caught up with again in South Africa and she said, you've just become so arrogant. <laughs> and I said, that's exactly the perception I want to put out there, you know, when you start targeting batsmen, the best batsmen in opposition, when you start making predictions. So, and that's to me how I found a way to make myself stand out from the team without having a negative impact on the team, because the team was always the most important to me. And but you still have to show who you are and you know find a way to make you stand out from everyone else in a positive way. So, yeah, there were certain things we do and. And, uh, yeah, that persona that you put out there. Perception sometimes doesn't equal reality, but if they can go hand in hand and, you know, 
happy days. And if you clean up the ashes and take 563 test wickets <laughs> along the way, then, then I'd take that sacrifice for all of Australia thinking I was an absolute idiot. Well, yeah. not an idiot, but a great, like, you know what I mean. <laughs> don't ruin it now. I know, no, no, no. You're just going to have to run away. Oh, no, no, no. I'm sweating. Can I take my jacket off? It's hot in here, isn't it? Right, a couple of emails have come in. Good news, Vinny. Ben Edwards joins us and says, I found a link on YouTube to the under-19 interviews. Brilliant. <laughs> Good news, hey? Uh, Simon joins us. Us, uh, and says, uh, great to hear Finney and Glenn McGrath chat. Just to say, Finney has been a big hero to my aspiring fast bowler uh, son. Still has his size four bat Finney signed. His greatest moment as a Colt at Hampstead was bowling with wicketkeeper Finn. That's, um, that's very sweet. Again, it's like you just feel like it's amazing, but also I can't believe that someone would, would <laughs> feel like that about you. Yeah, it's a, yeah, a bizarre feeling, but yeah, thank do you, you. Do you still see young fast bowlers? come through the ranks and, and you know does it does it get the sort of the juices flowing does it get, get that excitement um, when you see someone who's learning their craft I, I, I do enjoy seeing someone improve because I always say I'm, I'm doing a bit of coaching in India and coaching and commentating were two things I said I'd never do <laughs> and you know doing both and enjoying both but to see a young guy start learning and start knowing himself and why he performs at his best and why he performs at his you know, the best coach any one of us as a player is going to have is ourselves. And, you know, to see someone learn and not continually make the same mistakes is, uh, and then move through the levels and do well is, uh, I think, very rewarding. Um, so, yeah, it's... But when I watch a game of cricket, the only times I slightly miss it is when things are starting to fire up in the middle or it's right down to the... Um, you know, the last few overs and it's getting really close. And, you know, I, I, it was funny. I never felt I missed cricket. When I retired, I thought no, I've never missed it until, of all things, I watched that, uh, that movie um, Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm. And so there's Queen playing at Wembley Stadium in front of 110,000 people. And I thought, that's absolutely amazing. Imagine doing that <laughs> and the feeling it must be. And it's, uh, it was the first time it hit me that, I actually did play in front of big crowds and that atmosphere when you're standing at the top of your mark and you know the crowds just the noise is building and building and I just realized then that feeling you get then is something you can't replicate in life and I thought that's what I miss that feeling of being out in the middle the atmosphere yeah it, it is an incredible feeling and and that's what what I miss so playing traveling training you know all that sort of stuff so it's only those few precious times, you know, that feeling, the times that fires up, close moments, all the time in the dressing room mm. um, with all the boys. That's what I miss. You're listening to the TMS podcast from BBC Radio 5 Live. Well, absolutely fascinating to listen to Stephen Finn and Glenn McGrath. I hope you enjoyed hearing them taking a trip down memory lane. Keep checking out this feed for more Test Match Special podcasts. Have you just missed that amazing goal on Five Live? Oh, what a goal! It's stuff that dreams are made of! Download the BBC Sounds app and you'll never miss another moment. You can go back to the start of any live show or match. Pause the commentary mid-action and even rewind to hear it again and again. Oh, oh, what a goal! Play, pause and rewind. Live radio that you control. Listen on BBC Sounds.